huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up, and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hello, and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. It's producer Harry here again. So of all the interviews we've done on the show over the years, we've never had a podcast, an interview, or a story like this one. Today's interview is with self-made woman entrepreneur, Penny Streeter. So let me just set the scene and get into some details just before we start the interview. So for those of you who don't know who Penny is, her story starts in the late 80s where she was absolutely completely broke and she was made homeless uh, with three kids and she was in a very difficult position and desperate times. However, this didn't stop her from wanting to achieve real great things in her life. And even being with three kids, homeless, broke, She started her own recruitment business and she grew and scaled it to be worth over 200 million pounds in just a few years. It's a really incredible, uh, motivational, emotional roller coaster of a story and Penny reveals all in this interview. So this interview is perfect for any of you guys who want to start your own business. You know, if you're really new to the game of business, if you're new to being uh, self-employed or an entrepreneur, This is the interview for you. This is the motivation you need, the story you need from someone who has been there and done that in the most desperate of times, but still persevered and gone through. So we also produce video content along with all our interviews. So if you want to watch the video to this particular interview, head over to Rob Moore on YouTube and subscribe. So enough from me. Let's just get straight into the interview with self-made woman entrepreneur, Penny Streeter. But remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Live interview. And I'm very excited. Um, The lady I'm here with today, actually, Penny, you were um, recommended to us by some members of our community um, because I... I've been going on a bit of a mission, a charm offensive, putting myself out there to say we need more inspirational uh, female stories on my podcast and out there. Uh, And your name came up a lot. You were suggested by our members, which I'm really excited about. Mm, I'm amazed. Yeah. So, look, Penny, thanks a lot for joining the show, the interview. We'll have a chat, really. It's nothing too formal. How are you? Yes, great. Thank you. All right. 
So let's get straight in then, because I think the um, the most eye-catching headline I've seen of you, Penny, I think you know the one I'm going to read, is from The Sun. <laughs> uh, and it said, I was homeless for two years before starting my own recruitment business, and now I'm worth $208 million. Obviously, there's probably a big gap in the middle there. Um, <laughs> and what it would be brilliant if you could do is take us on that journey and tell us your story and maybe take us from your kind of lowest point where it all changed and where you are now. Okay. Oh, quite a long journey, really. <laughs> um, I suppose I suppose for me, um, it started a you know a fairly long time ago when I I, I initially I was working as a um, beautician. Um, I'd left I'd been I'd been schooled in South Africa and I decided at 15 that I really had had enough of the South African schooling system, which was quite a rigid regime. They sort of you know, used to lift up your skirt and check you were wearing the school knickers, etc. So <laughs> I decided, no, this isn't for me. And I went back to the UK. My parents were divorced, so I was doing geographicals between the country. And um, I ended up on a Thatcher's youth training scheme, um, basically. And I was placed into a, um, an insurance company and promptly the um, union reps went out on strike and they said, you're exploiting this 15, 16-year-old. And from there, I decided, okay, this isn't good enough for me. I'm going to go and become a beautician, which I did. I wasn't very good at that. Walked into an employment agency and they said to me, what about a career in recruitment? And for me, the rest was sort of history there. I started working for this agency and I found I was really, really good at what I was doing. I was good at placing people. I was in tune with people and I became pretty successful. Um, and as a result, I was earning good commission and so forth. And my boss one day called me and he said, look, you're earning too much money. Um, we're going to replace you with someone much cheaper. And, they, and he fired me. Wow. Um, and that was the catalyst for me really to set up my own business. So I was, my mum, I'd also recruited into this agency that I was working on. So we were both fired and we promptly went out and thought, okay, well, we can actually do this ourselves. And we set up our own business. Um, it was in the sort of 90s and very quickly the business um we had loads of fun you know we're doing well when suddenly bang the recession hit and it sort of flipped from a candidate shortage market to a candidate you know we were absolutely overloaded with people looking for jobs and the business quickly went into difficulty um and we lost we sort of had to shut it down we'd taken big corporate loans out etc with the banks and as a result you know, we were had the debt collectors and every, everything else after us. Um, it was a horrible, grim time. Um, and I decided at that point that, you know, I would go to South Africa. Um, I had family there and I went across, across over there and I was, I was working in South Africa with my sister in a cabaret restaurant. And um, basically that was the time in South Africa where, you know, apartheid was in sort of full swing. It was a pretty grim place to be at that time. Um, very violent, very dangerous. And there were, we were at risk constantly of holdups in our restaurant and so forth. And eventually having, I was pregnant. Um, I had three, two children. I was pregnant with my third. And my marriage sort of was also on the rocks from being in the restaurant business. And I decided after my daughter got very sick to return to the UK. And I went back sort of nine months pregnant and there there I was I, I landed sort of at Heathrow had absolutely nothing 
and got placed, initially stayed with my mother, who didn't work, and then got placed into temporary accommodation. So I was like in homeless accommodation, um, literally had nothing but a deck chair and my three kids. My husband was still there at the time, but very quickly our marriage sort of broke up and I was there on my own. Um, so, yeah, real rock bottom moment for me. Um, I didn't. I looked at all these kids and I thought, I don't know how the hell I'm going to provide for these children. Um, I haven't got anything. Um, having grown up in a country like Zimbabwe, which is where I'm originally from, I'd had an absolute fantastic childhood. And I thought, I can't believe it. I had this wonderful childhood and my kids have got this awful childhood and I've got this big responsibility on my shoulders. Um, so it was from there, I sort of, everyone said to me, well, you can't go back and run your own business because you were terrible at that. Don't ever do that again. Go and get a job and at least try and support and look after your family, um, which I did. I went and got, got had interviews, got offered a job and then decided, no, I can't do this. An uh, old school friend of mine had a car parts business in Sutton and Surrey and they said to me, look, we'll give you a corner of our office if you want to work there. You can work there, but, you know, we're rough and ready. We're rude. We're horrible. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'll take it. I went into there. They used to flick tea bags over my head while I was trying to interview people. <laughs> so it was a very sort of rough start, but it gave me what I needed. And basically, without any money, this time, again, with my mum, we set up, reset up our, our agency. This time, we knew that we didn't have anything to spend and what we started doing is we were both working as children's DJs on the weekend. So we would work, at, you know, as, as DJs doing discos and every single penny that we had, we would place adverts, etc. And we were salespeople. So we hit the phones and there we are. We, 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 we struck lucky and basically started to make money. Every, every time, every cent, every penny that we made, we put back into the business. So we, just continued to do that. Um, we were working in, at that time, financial services recruitment, and it was around about 2005, 2006 that we decided to move, no, 90, yeah, sorry, wrong years, but we decided to move into an office. And it was at that point that we, the financial services industry began to sort of struggle a bit, which was our main market. And by accident, we started to fall into the healthcare industry. Um, we were literally speaking to nursing homes um, and they started to say, look, we need care staff. We're looking for people. And then all of a sudden, we started to get, because we, we worked late, we were getting requirements coming in from them at eight, nine o'clock at night. And we very quickly realized that the healthcare industry was a industry that operated 24-7 it actually never switched off. And we realized that there was a big importance of providing staff at seven, eight o'clock at night, because literally you would have someone sitting in a nursing home saying, please, can you send someone to replace me? Because if you don't, I can't leave because, you know, our, our patients are so dependent on us. And that was the trigger of my company, Ambition 24 Hours, which was the, we, we decided that we would become and a nursing agency within that environment. So we would supply um, qualified nurses, healthcare assistants. And our mantra was that if you could get a pizza at any time of day and night, why couldn't you get a nurse? And at that time, you know, now we work in a very much a 24 hour, 
you know, economy across the world. But at that time, our competitors literally opened their offices at nine o'clock and they closed at five o'clock in the evening. And that was it. Um, so there was no no concept of a service being provided after that. Everyone had gone home were having their tea. So we became the first 24-hour business to, to operate within the healthcare sector, certainly in the agency business. And we literally grew like Topsy, literally, we were growing at a very at, at an exponential rate. And I suppose just getting on with what we were doing, um, we moved from there into much bigger offices, recruited more staff. And then one day I got a call from the Sunday Times Fast Track and they said to me, do you know that you're the fastest growing company in England at this moment in time? Wow. Um, so, wow. yeah, it just was a it was just incredible that actually we just didn't notice how fast we were going because we were running with it. So um, literally, you know, for going from being a tiny agency to a large, largest business and growing with that, because in the early days, I would be the person that would be the 24 hour service. I would wake up at two in the morning to the phones ringing and I'd be booking nurses. I'd have nurses ring me at two in the morning and I'd sit there for an hour having conversations with them. And years later, they said to me, you know, it was nice speaking to you back in the, those days. And I'd say, really? You know, you used to wake me up. And they said, oh, no, we were ringing you because we thought we were keeping you company. So, <laughs> so that, was, that was the kind of thing that, that we had to do. And it was, it was you know, I, I think it was a very different kind of environment. My whole, my whole I was very driven not to, ha not to have um, borrowings and finance because, when we lost that first business I told you about, we I personally didn't have any money at that time because I was 18, 19. But my mum, my mum certainly did. She'd borrowed money off her mother, which she couldn't repay to her, and she'd had debt collectors at the door, cars repossessed we had, and so forth. And it was a horrible, horrible time. And I just decided, no, I'm never going to have borrowings again. I hate that kind of thing. So um, if, I just continued to reinvest everything that I earned back into the business to make sure that, you know, we could survive. And as the business grew, the responsibility grew because enough now to look after. I had all these employees as well who also depended on me. So that made me more driven and made me work even harder. Mm, right. I didn't even take a breath on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. So can you give us a bit of a snapshot now of what what you're up to now and the size of the company and the because I think I read somewhere that you've placed a heck of a lot of nurses and I think even in, in COVID obviously that's been really valuable um so yeah just sort of pa finish painting the picture of where it's all at now yeah I mean now we operate we still operate across nationally across the UK we actually have five different nursing brands that operate across across the whole of the UK. We also have two nursing agencies and locum agencies that operate across the whole of South Africa as well. So we're now international. Um, so, and yeah, we place many thousands of nurses across those countries every single, and doctors every single day across those countries, both those countries. Um, the COVID situation, you know, cause people say, oh, you're really booming off the COVID situation. Not really, because obviously, in both countries, and I suspect everywhere in the world, it's actually gone the reverse because most services and operations have actually shut down completely. Um, GPs are now doing their consultations on Zoom, both certainly in this country, you know, England, in South Africa, the same. So, you know, I think what's been really important is trying to make sure you're 
you're screening your staff constantly to make sure they're COVID free because after the nursing home debacle that happened, you know, that's that's the big risk is that, um, you know, everyone doesn't go and transmit more viruses wherever they go. So that's it on the on the healthcare business. It's still very much thriving and every day is a new day. And obviously we try and innovate to make sure we stay ahead of the game. We still have a big fear of failure and, you know, nothing's forever. So we have to constantly be looking at what we're doing. Um, I've also in the last, where are we, um, you know, 10 years sort of gone into um, hospitality as well. So um, quite different from being, you know, recruitment's the kind of business that you very much work on your own. You hate your competitors. Nobody talks to them and you're driven to, you know, obviously in sales. Um, moving into the hospitality and vineyard businesses has been a completely different thing. So I run two wine businesses. I have a wine business in South Africa in Cape Town. We have a um, a big wine farm um, that produces a whole variety of cultivars and we import, we export that wine across the world. Um, and in the UK, we also have a wine estate and two vineyards there where we're, which we're cultivating at the moment to make obviously English sparkling. Um, so we're very much, we have a Michelin star restaurant as well um, and a massive historical garden. So very different to where I started because of, whilst I still have that business, I suppose the foray into, you know, I, I by accident fell into my vineyard in South Africa by, you know, it's actually a property development and I bought a house there and the, the founder of that estate, the developer died and I had an opportunity to acquire it. And suddenly overnight I owned this property development of 124 urban plus a vineyard of 200 hectares. So massive, massive vineyards. And I've subsequently gone on to develop a massive commercial area there. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey and it continues to be a journey. Hi, it's Rob here interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts, for any training that we might run. Not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anything. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Would you call yourself a serial entrepreneur by any chance? <laughs> no, I have to. 
I, I fell into these things. So, oh, fell into them, think, yeah. Yeah, and I think, well, I don't know. I've tried to apply, I suppose, when, you know, not having backgrounds in those, in, certainly in hospitality and things like that. I mean, we we achieved a Michelin star within six months of opening a restaurant in the UK. So wow. that was that's a huge achievement. And I think when I reflect on it, I think, okay, well, we, how, how do we manage to do these things? I think it's very, you know, that... I'm quite driven on looking at something and making sure that the customer experience is really good. And you, if you can translate that into um, the service levels of buying healthcare from us or coming into our tasting room, enjoying a tasting experience and a fantastic glass of wine, it's the same kind of thing, really. Mm. Okay, right. So um, that was question one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's all good because this is exactly how I like it to be. I'm actually going to jump in from a question on the live from Jane because I think this is a really good question. And just to put you in the picture, Penny, we have start and scale up entrepreneurs from all over the world, 200 odd countries, you know, who watch and follow the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast and YouTube channel. And Jane has asked here, how did you consider your self-worth when you were at rock bottom? Um, and what advice would you give about imposter syndrome? I, I like that question because you were at one point you were pretty low, weren't you? You know, just you, three children, you know, OK, you know, not your own home. You'd had a failed business. So how did you, you know, keep your confidence and your um, self-worth high or get it back up? Well, it's Look, it's a really difficult situation. And I mean, I think for me, um, if I if I, you know, juxtapose it to say my finance director who always is always the glass is completely empty with him he's always miserable and he says to me I'm always the complete reverse so I'm in a, a big I'm very very optimistic so even in those even in those hours where I'm sitting there with my children looking at them with absolutely nothing I still felt that I could I can do something and I, I was very very optimistic about that and I continue to be and I won't let myself get down under uh, under any circumstances. So the moment I feel down, I have to bring myself back up. And that's that's how I do it. Mm. Okay, great. So um, from my research, and you know, look, I can only find what I find on the internet and from my research, Penny, so feel free to correct me if I've got things not quite right. But um, uh, from my research, you didn't have any qualifications, and you started work at 15. So I'm going to ask you, do you actually think that gave you an advantage as an entrepreneur and as your own business owner? Kind of, I've got lots of friends who are worth 100 million, 500 million, a billion, and they also, a lot of them didn't have qualifications and they actually reckon it helped them because they were a bit of a hustler, um, you know, instead of going through university and degree and sort of starting work at 25. Yeah, I mean, maybe getting started straight away, I mean, gives you a little bit of an edge instead of waiting, like you say, to you, you know, in your 20s before you even get off the ground. I certainly, I certainly did turn around to my kids. I, you know, hold my hands up and say I'm guilty. And I said to them, I don't know why you're all finishing school. Why don't you just go? And they said to me, Mum, you're the only mum that says that. So please. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, in some ways, I think it gave me an advantage. And I mean, I, I agree with you. I've met loads of people similar to myself who've been really successful like that. But I mean, I don't think it's a recommended route, particularly. I mean, I think perhaps having, you know, a little bit more education might also be quite helpful. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I've always thought that if you want to go down the traditional route of being a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, an accountant, the school system's probably really good. If you've got a non-standard entrepreneurial business or an idea, maybe the self-education route is good. But I agree, there's no right or wrong answer, but I think you've got to know 
what your route is. Yeah. All right, great. So I have lots of, um, I'm going to use the word mumpreneur. I'm going to get told off for this <laughs> um, because people hate that word, but they made it up. I didn't. But anyway, I have lots of aspiring mum entrepreneurs who listen and follow me and I mentor many of them. And they do find it hard, you know, not just, I mean, you're three kids. That's, you know, that's a serious. Oh, four now. Wow. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think many mums find it hard to balance it all. You know, two, three, four kids trying to start and scale a business, have a bit of life balance. How did you manage being this amazingly successful working mum of now four children? <laughs> I think it's, look, it is really, really difficult, but it's just something that you, I think women just get on and do these things because we have to. Um, you know, I think running multi, running multiple things, whether it's running a big corporation, et cetera, those are just things that w women are just good at multitasking. Look, it is <laughs> difficult. My children, and I'm being really sexist, uh, my, ch my children, um, I think have always, I don't know, when they were small and I was on the phone, I'd see them picking up their little toy phone going ambition, ambition, ambition. I don't know. I think, you know, I always got glared at at the school gate by other mothers because they'd say, oh, it's such a shame that you weren't there for, you know, Tilly's netball game or, you know, you missed this, you missed that. And they were, you know, when I look back and people said when I look back, I would see that I'd missed out on things. I did miss out, but at the time... And even now, I still think the other things that I gave my kids were really good. The, you know, I've given them a great work ethic. They know that I work really hard and I expect them to work really hard. Um, you know, there's no such thing as can't. You know, there's hard work never killed you. Those sort of things are all things that I've really instilled into my children. Mm -hmm. And I think so all the things that they may have missed, I, maybe I haven't, you know, um, Nick, my husband, used to have to go on the mum's dinners, et cetera, with the school, so he was the only guy sitting there. So those kind of things I think maybe I've missed and my kids have missed out, but there's been so many other things that we've actually really gained on. Mm. And have you sort of, have you got them very involved in what you do? Have I got them involved? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I try to involve them as much, you know, they're a bit suspicious of me that I try and involve them too much. But yeah, um, my my son Adam works, he he operates Lennersley and Gardens, which is our state in the UK. Um, and he works with me across the healthcare business as well. Um, my other daughter's a midwife, so I inspired her to go on and go <laughs> into healthcare. So she also will work with me when I when when she can. And my other daughter is currently working at chefing and doing banqueting within our golf course, Manning's Heath Golf Course as well. So, yeah, I've got them all in there. And Tilly is running my, one of my locum divisions. So, yes, they're all, they're all working for me at, as a sort. Mm. Wow. All right. This is great. Okay. So I've had a, a question coming from Michelle. And it's just, I like this one because it's kind of the opposite of Jane's one about, um, you know, if your self-worth is quite low. Um, and Michelle said, how do you stay grounded now that you're very successful? How do you keep balance? How do you keep your feet on the ground, you know, when you've done really well? Mm, I think always trying to still be penny from the blocks, trying to be the same girl that I always was, which I am. I think I'm a very ordinary person. And, yeah, I've, and, I, and I, the reason for that is, that, you know, I think that, yes, I've been successful. Yes, I've made money. But. I've made money while I've been working. It didn't just happen overnight. I grew with it. So, 
And certainly I've got no ears or graces about me. <laughs> I like what you did there, Penny from the block. Is that a take on Jenny from the block? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that J-Lo? Sorry? J-Lo, does she do um, Jenny from the block? Yeah, Jenny from the block. <laughs> oh, I remember that. I'm showing my age here. <laughs> Great, right. Now, um, I, I, I put this question in here because I just figured... I'd get the answer that I thought I would, but we, we started just before we went live and you kind of answered it, but I'm still going to ask it. And feel free to talk about it for as long as you like. But do you like selling? <laughs> I love selling. I think, you know, again, I'm in a sales business. I'm in a sales game. And everything that we're doing is about, you know, getting our product out there, getting ourselves out there and how people perceive us. So, yeah, I love it. And could you give us some tips on selling? Because recruitment is, you know, pretty hardcore selling, isn't it? <laughs> to, yeah, just keep listening to people. Listen to what people have got to say. Listen to what your customer wants and then provide them with that solution. Mm -hmm. um, you know, easy peasy. Yeah, I think a lot of people complicate selling, don't they? They're looking for yeah. strategies and techniques. But um, in the world we're in right now, and people just want their problems solved. And you can make anything look bespoke and personal if you listen to what it is that they're saying that they want. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't do that. They don't actually listen to what they want and then provide the solution. So, yeah. Okay, great. So um, what advantage? I don't think anyone's asked this. I've not asked this on my podcast before and I have interviewed many other women. So let's give this a go. Don't shoot me down for this. Um, but. <laughs> What advantages do you think women have over men in business? Oh, not many, I don't think. Oh, come on. Give <laughs> us a few. <laughs> We're downtrodden. We have to make the tea. Oh. <laughs> um, no, look, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't see any real difference. I mean, I think in the UK, it's, you know, I think men and women are pretty much on a par. I think in South Africa, it's really different. That's a real sexist and sort of male-dominated environment. And I think women have less advantages. They really are expected to make the tea here. So it's, if you're a successful person in South Africa, then it's a bit of a shock. Mm. So you building your business and being really successful, you think it was man, the fact that you're a woman or a man didn't really make any difference? You could, no, no. I, don't, I don't think it really made a difference. I really can't go too far down that. Yeah, I mean, I always just I always just ignored that and carried on and just did what I wanted to do. And Because a lot of people will say, and they might be right and fair about this, you know, if they are trying to raise children as well, you know, they don't have as much time, it's maybe harder for them, but you seem to prove that wrong. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, again, you know, at that, at that point, I was also a single parent, so... I think anything can be done. And I mean, I think, yeah, it's no problem. If I was a male with three kids sitting there, I think I could have done the same thing. You know, there's mm. daycare. Mm. So we've had a question here from Maya. Um, interestingly, all the questions have come from women so far. So come on, chaps. <laughs> the only comment from a chap, and this was Adam, he said, if you need a chief taster for your vineyard, he's up for it. <laughs> So come on, gents, you're letting us down here. That's always an easy job to fill. Of course. Right, so this is from Maya. So did your strong mindset come naturally to you or did you have to work at building a strong mindset? I think I think when I when I was sort of 18, 19, I was quite um shy in some way. So I had to really work and overcome that to and you know to try and think, okay, come on, you can't let this beat you. You have to keep going forward. So, you know, no, I don't think I naturally had it. I had to I had to bring it on myself. 
build my own confidence. And how did you do that? How did you build that mindset and that confidence up? Just mind over matter, really, just by making, you know, instead of saying I can't do it, I can do it and making myself do it. So, and I think, I think if you do that, if you say you can't and you keep pushing yourself away, then you definitely will never do it. But you yeah. just have to just keep trying. Mm-hmm. Not, no, you can't really fail. What, if you just keep going, keep going, keep going, in the end you'll win? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You make it sound so simple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you think anyone can turn their life around from, you know, maybe a low point that you were at? Um, or do you think it takes a certain type of person? Look, I think there's a lot of people who give lots of reasons why they can't do things. So, you know, I always think, yes, anyone can do it. But, I mean, it's it's where your mind is. It's your mindset. If yeah. you think you can't, you can't. If you think you can, you definitely can. Mm-hmm. So I think it's all about positive thinking. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so I read, and actually I think you've backed this up in what you said, but you said even when you were making good money, you were planning all the money back into the business. There was no flash cars or holidays for you. Why was that? Why didn't you enjoy some of your money along the journey? I think that's one of the things that a journalist said to me is a difference between men and women is that men, when they make when they get really successful, rush out and buy football clubs and stuff like that. And women <laughs> don't. Women tend to plough their money back into different things. And I, I got told that they've seen that quite a lot. So I don't know. I mean, I think for me, like I said to you, I I have a fear of failure. So, you know, I continually make sure that I'm applying everything back into my businesses and reinvesting for the future. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a, you know, maybe I'm risk adverse after all. So, you know, I don't know. Mm. Well, you did say earlier, didn't you, you know, you um, had some loans that went bad and, you know, you had a business you had to let go and you were like incessant on not doing that again and not getting into debt. Do you think that, do you think there's still a bit of fear sat in from that? Definitely, definitely. You know, you just don't know. And one of the, you know, it's like the old typewriter business, you know, they they thought they'd be there forever and their business changed and they disappeared overnight. So, you know, who knows where where business is going? We're going so tech orientated, you know, just, you know, you just have to try and keep up and keep innovating. Mm. Amen to that. We've got loads of questions coming in, by the way. I'd never normally do this so many from our audience, but I'm, it's, it's hard to keep up. But I've got to get mine in first. So, <laughs> all right, then. Have you, um, have you had experience where you've had critics or negativity or haters along the way? And if you had, how do you deal with that both in your mind and, you know, on a strategic level? How do you deal with that? Oh, um, I've had a lot of I've had a lot of I say a lot, but I mean, I, I've definitely had that happen. Um, and I still get it now, um, both from men and women. And I don't, I, you know, sometimes I find it quite odd. I don't know what what it gets down to. You know, sometimes people say maybe it's jealousy. Maybe people don't like women who are successful or, you know, seem to know where they're going. And I think the way I deal with it is the same way as I deal with anything else. I try and keep a positive mindset. I try not to let it get me down. And it can, it can get you down because people can be very, very poisonous. And, you know, that's obviously what they're trying to achieve. So for me, it's again, it's remaining really focused, really positive and where I can trying to take myself out of that kind of situation. Sure. Um, And are you the kind of person that uses that as fuel? Um, You know, so like you like to prove the the naysayers wrong? Are you the kind of person that just wants the bad energy gone and focus on where you're going? Do you mean like a revenge is a dish best served cold? (laughs) Uh, Or whatever. 
I just asked the questions. <laughs> um, I suppose, yeah, look, I mean, all of us, when something's like that's happening, it riles you up. But, you know, I, I, like I say, I try to go ahead and I try to do the best that I can do. And obviously, if I can prove a point there, then I'm human. Of course, I will do it every yeah. single time. <laughs> Amen. Uh, what is it they say that um, success is the best form of revenge? I like that. Yeah, that's exactly, good. Exactly. Yeah. So Christina here has asked, um, so what your, what's your role in all your companies? Are you like a group CEO or what your actual role is? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I sort of straddle over, you know, I've obviously got people running those businesses who, you know, on, on a day-to-day basis. I'm very much at the moment involved within a lot of my hospitality businesses. So I'm quite hands-on in those, especially, you know, tasting the wines and stuff like that. <laughs> Tasting the wines, doing all the sort of stuff. But, yeah, just be, making sure we innovate, really, um, and looking at different different ways that we can improve. So sitting on the outside thinking, okay, what can we do better? What can we do tomorrow that's going to change things? You know, that, that's the kind of role that I'm in right now. Yeah. Okay, great. This one's from Kevin. Um, if you had nothing apart from £500, what would you do? Start a business, of course. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, probably, I mean, £500 such a lot. So, I mean, you don't need anything to start a business. You just need a good idea and, you know, just to find that opportunity. Um, but I would definitely, I would, I would use what I, what, you know, what God's given me and I'd get on the phone and start selling. Mm. Okay, great. Um, you have an OBE, don't you? Yes, I do. Uh, this is great. Um, and we've had lots of people on the show with OBEs and MBEs and I always ask the same question. It might be a bit of a common one, but I'm allowed a couple, I'm sure. But can you tell us the exact moment when you found out how you felt and then just talk us through when it was presented and how you felt? Um, I, I found out by post. So, yeah, um, and it, I was quite shocked. I thought it was a hoax. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I mean, it was, a, it was pretty amazing. Obviously, went to the palace. I met the queen. Um, she said to me, I understand you do something with old people. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it was, it was, a, it's amazing. So, you know, it's a, it is a nice thing to be recognized for. So and yeah, it was, very... what, what was it recognized for? What's your sector area? So, services to business and women. Oh, wow. That's lovely. That's great. All right. So we've got loads more great ones coming in here. This is from Paul Wilson. What, if anything, would you do differently if you had to start again today with nothing or from nothing? I don't think I would do anything too differently because, like I say, I lost that first business. Um, and, you know, I think when you when you restart again, you just meet, make sure that you don't let, don't let things go to your head. The amount of people that I have met who say, oh, I'm just starting my business, but I'm just going off to the Caribbean for two weeks to have a holiday before I start. And I say, don't, don't keep the money, <laughs> you know, don't go on holiday because when you're going to start your own business, you're just never going to go on holiday again. You don't switch off. Mm. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't do anything differently. I would just do exactly what I've done again. Yeah. Okay, great. So um, two questions back to back answer. I mean, whatever order you want, but they're kind of linked. And that is what's your biggest success and your most epic fail? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, my, I, I think my biggest success was to, I don't know, almost build in a very, very short space of time such a big company and ambition. 
Um, and obviously to get us onto the fast track 100 to get to that number one point for me, that was, that was a big marker of success. You know, I couldn't believe it. Um, when I opened the paper and there we were at number one, it was just ridiculous. We were, you know, a little backstreet business, you know, nothing special. So for me, that was, that was a big driver. The biggest fail, I make a lot of mistakes. I mean, I make loads and loads and loads of mistakes. So I can't put my finger on any particular, you know, big mistake that I've made. But what I do do is I recognize mistakes really fast and I fix them. Mm. So, you know, that, and I think that's the key thing is, you know, often I'll do stuff and go, oh, my God, that's terrible. Change it quickly. And yeah. it's, how, it's not how many mistakes you make, it's how quickly you can remedy things. Love it. Um, so have you been inspired by anyone or any people in particular and have you had mentors along your journey? I haven't had any mentors. I've, I'm all, I've actually always kept myself to myself. Um, and, you know, I've, all, I've tried not to look. I, I'm actually the reverse. I try not to look at anyone. I try not to do anything. So I only follow what my gut says I should do. Um, yeah. And was that the same in the early days when you didn't have experience to draw on your intuition? Yeah, I mean, I, the people I relied on were was my, you know, my, I suppose my my mentor in a way was my father. So he was always the person that I'd ring up and he would say, don't be ridiculous. And my mum, you know, don't be ridiculous. Of course you can do that. Work harder. And that was it. That was enough for me. Right. So we've got a little experimental round now coming. So um, uh, we've done, and uh, this is only about the fifth time we've done this. If you don't like this, don't blame me. But we're doing what was called a, we're doing what's called a cheeky round, where we're asking a couple a little bit more cheeky questions, and hopefully you'll see th- you'll see them in the spirit that they're meant to be. <laughs> and I'm going to start with Hina because she's actually asked a question. I'm going to slip that in to make me look better. But Hina has said here. Do men ever get intimidated by your success? Yeah, all the time. Oh. Ooh. Tell us about that then. That's interesting. <laughs> all the time. I think, you know, they just feel very, you know, they just get uncomfortable. You know, I think men are, men are used to sitting down with other men who are successful. Um, but when they can't when they come along and they've got a successful woman, they don't they don't they, you know, they don't like it. They shy away. Oh. So yeah. And how does that make you feel? Well, I don't like it. I don't know why they do that. Yeah. Mm. But, no, you know, I guess there's the differences between the sexes. It's still there. Mm. Yeah, us men are weird, aren't we? What, what <laughs> is that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I've had some interesting answers to this one. So you're not the only one that's been asked it. But have you ever been pro- propositioned because of your wealth and success? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, okay. We need to keep going then. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next one. What's the most expensive item you've ever purchased? Um, I think, well, we bought a nice yacht. Um, oh. Well, I say we. I mean, it would be my husband is the boat nut. So we've got a, we've got a beautiful catamaran that we mm. have, which, you know, we bought last year. So, yeah. They're not Only cheap, are they, those things? <laughs> well, they're not cheap, but I think it's the, I think that what someone said, it's the, the best day is the day you sell it. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's depreciation and maintenance. So I think the costs start once you've bought it, don't they? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Now, um, I reckon you've had a couple of these. I'm going to be a bit cheeky myself. What's the biggest diva moment you've ever had because you're successful and you've just been a diva? 
you've done a Beyonce or a Mariah Carey. Oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I constantly, I constantly, um, you know, throw, I don't know, I constantly jump up and down and I don't, I don't like it when I walk into, say, one of my restaurants or something like that and things aren't right. I want people to be on the ball. I want people to be at the top of their game and, you know, for me, that's a that's an absolute given. So if people work for me, they need to expect me to be a little bit of a diva if it doesn't happen. <laughs> All right, great. So this is from Louise, um, and she's asked about, do you have any tips on managing your time, especially in the early days, you know, when you're really busy? And, of course, you're a mother as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think one of the great things to do is just to constantly make lists. I always, I was always taught by... One my one of my bosses right from the when I was employed, one of my first jobs was he said to me, carry a book with you and keep writing everything down and never rip a page out and keep going back to it because mm. otherwise your whole day sort of goes. And I still do that. Right. Okay, great. Um, Joy has asked, do you have any fears? Failure. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you driven by that, would you say? Very, very much so. Mm. Ah, interesting. That's a good question, that. Okay, right. Now we have uh, a quick fire round, Penny. So these um, five questions I ask every single guest on the show. Um, and you can, you can answer them quickly if you want, or you can go into detail. It's up to you. So um, what's the best advice you can remember ever receiving? Um, I think, again, um, you know, the best advice I've ever had is that, you know, just listen to yourself. If you feel... You know, and again, this is coming from my father. If you feel you can do something, just do it and just remain focused on it. So that's it. Okay, great. And then what about the worst advice you can ever remember and receiving? Go and get a job. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. All right. Is there one thing that you think is really wrong with the world that you'd love to change? Oh, there's loads wrong. (laughs) There's loads wrong. I mean, um, you know, I think just generally, you know, too much violence, too much arguing, too much bickering. You know, those those are the things that I think, you know, would be nice if we could have more harmony. Mm. Um, you know, not I think a bit altruistic. It's not going to happen. But, um, you know, I think that's that's the kind of world that I'd want to live in. Less arguments. People are too stressed out. Sure. Um, Maya has asked, do you think entrepreneurs are uh, made? Or can entrepreneurship be learned? I think it can be learned. Um, you know, I think that if you if you hit a wrong, a, a, the right business that's right for your character, right for your personality, then you can make a big success of it. Sometimes when people aren't successful, it's because they're not in the business that is the thing that brings out the best qualities in them and makes them them you know really really drives them. Sure. This is from Sam, Sam Rathling, and Sam has asked, do you have a morning routine and how do you set up yourself to be productive for the rest of the day? My morning routine, yeah, like lots and lots of exercise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get up, I do CrossFit and then I swim and then I work. Yeah, and, and what, 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 what's your sort of, um, how many hours a day do you do? You know, how, how often do you sort of properly at work? Um, probably, I don't know, nine, ten hours a day still at yeah. work. Do you take days off? No. Not even a Sunday? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I on a Sunday, yes, of course. But, I mean, if it's the weekend, then I'm normally within my hospitality businesses. So is that really time off? No. 
Because you're having your diva moments then, aren't you? <laughs> and um, what, what do your husband and kids think about how much you work? Um, they're used to it now. No, everybody, every you know, I've had people say to me, what, do you want to be the richest person in the graveyard? You know, what's, you know, those kind of things are constantly said. But mm. um, no, you know, they, they, I think they understand that's, that's who I am and that's the kind of person I am. And I think they'd be surprised if they came past and saw me lying on a deck chair. Sure. And it, it, would you say, um, you know, your business and businesses, that is your greatest passion, would you say? Yes, definitely. Mm. Mm. Loving it. This is great. Um, so um, if there was one person on this planet alive that if I got on my podcast, you would stop everything you're doing and come and watch intently, who would that be? Oh, uh, let me think. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think I'd like to hear you interview Trump. Oh, I would love to interview the Donald. <laughs> oh, I, OMG, I would love to. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. Right. We've got to bring it on now. All right. <laughs> um, Reese here has asked, Reese Wright, um, what do you think um, is the best metrics to measure success in business? You know, of course, there's money, there's notoriety, you know, there's number of staff, there's difference you make, there's OBs, there's all these metrics, isn't there? What is it for you, Penny? Yeah, I think money is important because, you know, without money, the world doesn't go around. And obviously, you can't reinvest in your business and you can't grow your business. So, you know, being being profitable and, you know, making sure you're profitable is really important. So controlling those costs all the time. Again, it comes back to that same kind of, you know, it's a bit boring with me. It's a bit, you know, you've got to, those, those are the key things that for me make the business successful controlling it making sure what you're doing making sure your margins are right making sure everything you're billing is correct okay um this is from michelle um did was there anything you did to innovate or um you know pivot or manage the lockdown covid quarantine um craziness that we've experienced i think well no not not particularly i mean what i've tried to do because i've been very conscious that particularly with all our staff how you know, especially the younger ones, how down they're getting the longer they've spent in lockdown and, the you know, the restrictions placed on them. So what I tried to do is I tried to go out and buy in um, online resources, so like training videos, et cetera, which would cheer them up, help them, help them develop themselves, different th- resources that they could tap into. I also went and bought, um, you know, sort of quite millennial sort of cuddly system that allows them to rate themselves and and have more cuddly interactions so that they can receive nicer feedback and stuff like that, just to try and be more in tune with people because I think just that lack of human interaction, especially for us as a sales business, has been horrible. Sure. Um, Do you think that you'll ever retire? No, no. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I hope not for your husband and children, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's the the future plans for your um, empire that you've built and, you know, you as an entrepreneur? I think just to, you know, in in terms of my business, just to continue growing it, I think it's still got lots of legs on it and can still, you know, we can really still you know, go for great dominance in our market, world domination, that kind of thing. Um, and within my hospitality businesses, just to make sure that we produce the best wines and we have the best customer and guest experiences that people can imagine. I mean, that's that's all I want, really. Yeah, love it. This is from Peter Nelson. 
Have you ever missed an opportunity uh, and you kicked yourself about missing it? Yeah, definitely. Where, you know, I think, you know, those, you know, if you, if you, if you dither, you lose it. So, um, yeah, I've had opportunities potentially um, that have come my way and I haven't perhaps focused on them or I thought, oh, no, it's nothing. And yeah, I've been disappointed. Can you think of any? Can you, have you got like an Apple moment when you should have invested in like one pence a share or something like that? Have you got any? No, no, nothing no. Like that, no. <laughs> That's good. Thank God. Yeah. This one's from Mark. Um, do you think because you seem like such a bubbly and positive person that this passes on to your staff and it helps your company's success? I think so, definitely. I think I think motivation um, plays a big part in everything that we do. Um because we've talked about how do you make sure, you know, if you're feeling down, that you bring yourself up and create positivity. And for me, that's one of the key things that I need to do around my staff because, I, you know, I'm very conscious that people get down and you need to constantly motivate. So I think hopefully I do have a positive impact and make everyone happy around me, you know, with the way I am. Mm. Do you... Uh, read books and do you recommend any books you know for business and entrepreneurship I, I don't really I'm, you know it sounds terrible to say that I don't really read books so I don't really get a huge amount of time so um, I think you know I like to read business books and I generally if I'm at the airport or something and I pick them up I'll generally buy any of the sort of business books that you see on the shelf and read them I like reading anything that might give me an idea or a spark or anything like that I find myself you know, listening more to, I don't know, webinars, podcasts or stuff like that. Anything, yeah, it's amazing because I think we're always learning and you just by listening to people, you pick up one thing and it gives you a new idea and a new avenue that you can go down. So, yeah, can't give you any recommendations though. That's all right. I've got loads of my own behind me, so that's fine. Um, All right, we're going to do two more then. And thanks a lot for this. It's been fun and energetic. I think you might hold the record for the most questions answered in uh, a podcast that I've done. You've answered loads. So thank you for this. (laughs) So this is from Gary, Gary Colbert. If you could give your teenage self one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, I think leave school at 10 and start earlier. (laughs) Imagine where I could have been. (laughs) But I wouldn't have been a teenager. Um, Yeah, look, I think that, um, you know, just... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I was worried about school at that time, I think. So I would have said to myself, you know, don't worry about it. You don't need it. Just focus on what you're doing and get going. Okay. Um, And then this podcast and the show that we have with it, because we have it on audio and YouTube and we do live stream it out, is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. So that word disruptive, I reckon you definitely are a disruptive entrepreneur. What does that mean to you? I suppose someone who shakes it up, makes a difference, you know, does things outside the norm, you know, doesn't doesn't follow the convention. That's what it would be for me. Yeah, love it. Right. Where can we follow you? You know, what do you do? Where um, Someone has asked about the name of your Michelin star restaurant. You know, where can we follow you and get some of your um, social media? What business are you promoting? You're the sa- you're the salesperson. Go for it. <laughs> um, you can find our Michelin starred restaurant, which is called Restaurant Interlude, at Leonardsley Lakes and Gardens, which is in Lower Beeding in West Sussex. Um, you can so you, our website's very easy to locate. We also have Manning's Heath Golf and Wine Estate, which is five miles from there. 
Um, you can find me on um, Instagram, um, you know, Penny Streeter. You can find my website, pennystreeter.net. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, everywhere. I'm here and I'm, you know, I'm very, very easy. If you come into any of my wine estates, you might bump into me. And if you do, please, you know, make yourself known to me and, you know, let's have a glass of wine. I'm always there and always <laughs> happy to chat to people. Well, I'm going to take my wife to your restaurant for sure because um, we're, we're due a few trips out so I look forward to that Penny this has been so much fun you're really inspiring you, you should see how many comments we've got it looks like hundreds your energy and your enthusiasm and your passion definitely has come through to people so thanks for giving us the, this great big uh, buzz um, tonight and thanks for being on the show no thank you very much for having me it's been great thanks a lot alright thank you